Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. All right, so let's get our first panel going here tonight. This offseason has been a breath of fresh air. For the Chicago White Sox, again, Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez, Edwin Encarnacion, Nomar Mazzara, Luis Robert is going to be in the opening day roster. SoxFest was buzzing. It's been a very exciting time for the Chicago White Sox. Of course, everybody is here tonight excited about the upcoming season. So what should the expectations be for the White Sox in 2020? And can they make the postseason this year? Well, joining me now are our first guests on the panel. First, he is the White Sox beat reporter for The Athletic, and he also has a podcast called White Sox Business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, James Fegan. Next, you can listen to him weekdays on 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the Bernstein and McKnight Show on 670 The Score. Ladies and gentlemen, Connor McKnight. And our next guest, you can hear him on the radio home of the Chicago White Sox, 7.20 a.m. WGN. He's also part of the Rocon Show from 3 to 7 p.m. on weekdays and will be reporting on the White Sox all season long for WGN Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Kevin Powell. <laughs> so hello, guys. Welcome. I, uh, I had the metal band added to provide some vibrations into the floor, so I hope you guys enjoy that. But this has been a very exciting off-season, and I guess, James, we'll, we'll start with you being the beat reporter. Is the White Sox off-season done? Are they going to make any more moves before they head to Glendale for spring training? Um, if they like... Add somebody on a minor league deal, does that mean I'm wrong if I say they are done? No, no. So, like, it seems like they're done. They, they've hinted at it. Um, you know, the last time that I tried to, like, contact Rick, his phone wasn't even working, so he's like, well, that's probably a hint for you. So <laughs> it, it seems like as far as major things, if you're thinking about, like, Castellanos or something on that tier, um, it seems like they're done. If it's, like, 
the market bottoms out for you know Yolmer Sanchez and they bring him on a minor league deal or something, I would still be surprised by something like that. Yeah. But it, it's something on that level of tier of somebody's like market just like collapsing and they they brought in his depth. So, so no, another Andrew Mormine is definitely in the possibility. Okay, got it. Wait, people got to play in Charlotte, man. The Charlotte Knights need human bodies to play baseball this season. Uh, so you're saying no, Nicholas Castellanos? Yes. So you're saying yes, Nicholas Castellanos. You heard it here, folks. James Vega to say Nicholas Castellanos. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, you should definitely pay $90 million for someone to be a short side of the platoon. <laughs> why not? Hey, there was a uh, Yomer question to Rick during his, uh, his town hall. What, was it so today? much a question? It was a guy just yelling gold glove over and over Some guy named again. Luigi from LaGrange. Very big fan of Yomer Sanchez. Do you see them bringing Yomer back? Probably not, because I feel like if you're Yomer, what about this looks like a great avenue to playing time? Yeah. Like that the, 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 the fourth overall pick is coming to take that position away. The two other guys are as installed as they can be. Unless he's like extremely pessimistic about Yohan Mangata's hamstrings, it really doesn't seem like a great avenue to like play a lot. So then, Connor, if the White Sox are done with the offseason, they're not going to make any more big transactions. How would you grade the Chicago White Sox offseason this year? I, I guess it's like a it's a B minus to maybe a solid B. I, I, I think it's really hard for me to to really love this offseason as much as I want to because I, I can't get away from the fact that all of this could have been done and still had Manny Machado. I'm that guy. And I and I don't love that I'm that guy, but I am that guy. And I don't... You got support. I, I guess I'll just be that guy. Um, but, but and, and that's okay. Like, I, I guess off-season should be graded individually. So, you know, maybe the grade gets a boost for that. Um, to, to the question you asked, James, like, are they done? I'm still a little bit concerned. Listen, if the, if the expectations are make the postseason, right? Or, like, give it a damn good shot to make the postseason already... I don't love the depth in the corner outfield. Like, I, I don't love the defense there either. Um, I, I think you have some questions about carrying a third catcher, even if you do have a 26-man roster. I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, but even still, I, this is the most talented roster Rick Renneria could have possibly dreamed of. True. And you have to be, you have to be really pleased with that. And, and if, you just, if, you tell, if you lie to him about what the bunt sign is on his own team, I think you've got a really nice chance of, of 82 <laughs> and 83 wins. Hey, he said that he wants to give fewer outs this year. He wants to give up fewer outs this yeah, year? Yeah, give that, up fewer that, outs. That comment year. was about defense, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I know too. it circulated on Twitter, but it was about the context was defense. No, I, I'm taking it as they're not going to bunt as much. Just let me have this dream, James. Uh, Nick Magical is coming up. I mean, he's a very good bunter, so I'm sure the bunting game will never go away. Uh, <laughs> Did you? Well, sack bunting sucks, but, you know, bunting for a hit is different. Would you give it a, a better grade than the BB minus? I would probably say B plus. But I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would probably grade the offseason individually. But yeah, that's fair. To your point, you could have upgraded the starting rotation with Garrett Cole, or you could have had Zach Wheeler. I mean, obviously they said they had that high bit, but you could have had Dallas Keuchel be the Gio Gonzalez upgrade, yeah. the, the, the steady back end starter, and still pursue the top of the market. I mean, I don't think they're even at a record payroll that they set, you know, in 2012. At this point, there, there was no necessarily reason that they couldn't strikeout for the absolute top, top of the starting pitching market. Right. I mean, they probably, I don't know what 
godfather offer they'd had to give Steven Strasburg. But the fact that they didn't get the absolute top of the rotation market is what you would knock against them. For what it's worth, I, I think my grade for the offseason is even higher because you haven't heard, un unless I've missed it, you haven't heard a guy like Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn mention that, you know, we have to keep our powder dry to make sure we extend these players, which is something you did hear after the Manny Machado sweepstakes ended, which was all just a bunch of nonsense anyway. And they've been able to pay those prospects and get Luis Robert onto the major league roster and stuff. I think that, I think that matters. I'm glad it changes my opinion in the offseason when you're not having when you're not having like wool pulled over your eyes a little bit as a baseball fan and having to root for spreadsheets as opposed to players. I'm, I'm a fan but, of that. But I'm Connor, mi missing out on Machado last year, how could that possibly impact your grade for this offseason? Because, because of what was sold. Because of what got talked about and what expectations got set. It's more of a set. bitter taste situation. Yeah, but what a little they bit. actually did. Yeah. I mean, I'm, on the, I'm kind of with James. I'm more of a B plus, A minus situation. They got right. one of the best catchers in baseball. They addressed basically every need they needed to address, spent more money than they ever have, but they did miss out on the Garrett Coles. I thought it was always, I seemed like a pipe dream anyways, but I just, I'm, I'm grading it individually where I feel like they were active. This was the sweet spot of the rebuild to go out, spend money, and bring free agents in. And, well, if, and like a lot of people didn't anticipate this, and I was like, look, you can look at the resume of Rick Hahn in the front office not spending money or spending it unwisely. They have never been in this position. This position where they, in a certain year of a rebuild, where you have a core that you either is homegrown or you traded pieces for, which right. were legitimately part of the rebuild, at a certain, where well, we saw a ton of individual growth last year. They're still not obviously where they need to be. I wasn't surprised at all to see them do what they do, despite previous off seasons from, from Han and Kenny Williams and the White Sox front office. I guess that's fair. I guess the, the question I would ask then is, how long is the sweet spot of the rebuild? Four and, years. And it should be longer than just this offseason. Like last season was also a sweet spot of the rebuild because they did give an offer to Manny Machado, so they realized it as such. Next offseason has some premier free agents, you know, a handful of guys coming to free agency, and, and, and maybe an extra guy if Chris Bryant's grievance doesn't go the right way. That will be another sweet spot where you have to add... I, I guess I guess I just want to continue to hold not just this baseball ownership and front office group, but all of them to the expectation that it is not just one. It, it's not just one offseason here where you strike and then you go, nope, that's it, we're good, put the feet up, and we're all set to go. Yeah, we'll see what happens next offseason because right now White Sox fans are already dreaming about Mookie Betts, right? You should. You absolutely should. That's the next number one target for White Sox fans next offseason. If it's not Mookie Betts, then George Springer's an option. Uh, those are the two big names next offseason in free agency. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. Which move, out of all the moves the White Sox have made, either a free agent signing or trade, was your favorite this offseason? Probably the Grand Doll signing, just because it set the tone for, for, for the offseason. I think it sent a message. I think it completely changes the dynamic of the lineup, what he brings to the table. Um, I, I would go Grandall for sure. It gives him depth that's, catcher, and uh, it gives Ricky Renteria a lot of options with the lineup. That's an excellent pick. James, how about you? Which of the moves was you, you thought was the best move by the White Sox this offseason? Like, best move, I think, is obviously Grandall because he's the best player they got, and he addresses so many needs they have. Outside of, like, the concern that maybe they've invested – 
in pitch framing right as like robot ups might come and <laughs> wouldn't that be kind of like be tragically behind the curve i think they that you know that's such clearly somebody who's addressing on base ability handedness uh pitch framing and, and and you know he's clearly if you look at the projections for this team there's nobody in the same league as far as like grandal like pretty much the only one who person on the roster who has the ceiling of what Grandal currently is, is like Luis Robert in terms of two-way impact. So, I mean, he's far away the best player on the team, which is a weird thing to think about, this guy that just added who's a 31-year-old catcher. But uh, it, it's, it's he's, he's, I don't know, he's the best freaking player on the team. They <laughs> so a good offseason move. Yeah, it was cool getting a chance to talk to him today. He knows so much already about the White Sox pitching staff. He was really insightful, especially talking about Dylan Cease, which I'll have some of those quotes tomorrow. Uh, on SoxMachine.com if you want to read them. I'm really excited to see what he can do with his pitching staff. How about you, Connor? What was your favorite move by the White Sox this offseason? Honestly, my, my favorite move was Luis Robert getting the deal I'm that with he got. You. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, Grandal's great, and I like Keuchel and Gio Gonzalez taking innings for a little while is fantastic, but to get that done and ensure some sort of cost stability and also, like, get rid of the excuse to not have him there on opening day. I, I shouldn't call it an excuse, but, you know, the, the, the baseball reason and not have him there opening day, that was my favorite move because, you know, like James said, I, that's the guy that pound for pound could be the next best player on this team and could right quick in 2021 be the hands-down best player on that team. So to have him there with, with stability and security, despite the fact that they've surrounded him with two outfielders that probably don't need baseball mitts, is great. Like that's a fantastic move for me. I, I'm with you. I'm you, really you, excited. You asked me what the best move was. You asked him what his favorite move well, was. Well, those are different questions. Oh, okay. Well, so then, what was your favorite move then, James? <laughs> My favorite move is Encarnacion. Oh. Which is not that significant as far as an addition, but that move is totally like screw it. Let's add another bat we don't even need. Yes. To make ourselves better. This has no long-term like impact on our team whatsoever. He's not part of our core. But damn it, let's let's add another early homer bat just for the hell of it, that's like the attitude you want your team to have all the time. Right. So that's my favorite move. Okay, I got it. But that's not the best. That's not oh, okay. a smart move, but it's just cool. <laughs> well, that's why I kind of like the Keuchel. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it felt like after Grand Doll, it was like, please don't let this be the one big move of the offseason. Yeah, that's true. It was like, this better be one of many moves. So I think when they did get Keiko, it was like, okay, I'm cool with that. I like that. Now, that's a good point, especially because after they lost out on Zach Wheeler, we didn't know they were interested in Hinjin Ryu, and there was a lot of smoke from other teams getting desperate. Imagine if they didn't get Keuchel. The attitude of this offseason would be way different. The, their, the reaction from Sox fans, their project, they would, they their, Yeah, their pitching projections would look like the Minnesota Twins right now, which oh. it's Breos and Odorizzi, and then, oh boy, it, it's, it's not pretty for the Minnesota Twins, which... You know, that's obviously their weakness. So my next question that I had for you guys, and I'll start with you, James. What do you think is going to be the strength of the 2020 Chicago White Sox this season? Well, talking to the pitchers, they say it's going to be the catchers. And, you know, ostensibly lining them up as they are right now, having, like, one of the elite catchers in the game, having a guy who, you know, made the all-star team last year, but is probably overstretched, like, is a great backup catcher as far as James McCann. Um, and having a guy who at least is bat first and provides some pop against right-handers as like a third catcher in AAA, that's the strongest like group you have. And the fact that Grandal can provide so much benefit from framing and that McCann is such a uh, good at like uh, in-game preparation and kind of working with the staff, I, I, I think it's definitely the strongest 
you know, any of any department or position group is probably catching. How about you, Connor? What do you think is the strength of the White Sox? I, I hope it's power. I mean, I, 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 well, I guess hope is kind of a tough word because I, what I really hope is that Kopech comes to the major leagues whenever he's able and ready to come and is lights out and Lucas Giolito repeats his last season and all that kind of stuff. But I would imagine the most comfortable thing I, I've got going for this team right now is the fact that Edwin Encarnacion is there to hit 30 bombs and Yohan Moncada is there to increase his home run total. And if Luis Robert has... I think I saw Jim Bowden on The Athletic put him for a 2020 season or something like that. Like, oh, okay, Jim. Like, that's great. But if he hits 20 home runs, that's fantastic. I don't, I don't know what ball we're playing with, and no one does, but I hope it's power. All right, so we got power, we got catchers. How about you, Kevin? What do you think is going to be the strength of the White Sox? Yeah, I mean, mine's a little more broad. I was just going to say the lineup. I just think this yeah. offense has a chance to be really, really good because – you know, like if you're a baseball geek, you, you just kind of run through what could the lineup look like. We've been thinking about it for years now, and now that they do have a lot of players, it's fun to build a lineup, right? To look through, okay, where would you put some of these guys? Where does Yoa Moncada sit in the lineup? What about Tim Anderson? Who's your leadoff man? I think that's a, it's a good problem to have. That where I think Ricky Renteria, I mentioned the Gradal, where you can do a lot with Grandal and Carnacion. This could be a really dynamic lineup that gives the opportunity to Ricky Renteria to play matchups rather than just having to put guys in the lot where he can look at the lineup and say, this is going to, guys are going in certain spots because of the pitcher we're facing. And I think that's going to be a strength for the Sox. So I, I think the offense as a whole. The 2004 Chicago White Sox hit 242 home runs. That's the team record. Steamer on Fangraphs is projecting 250 home runs to be hit by the 2020 White Sox. Dingers! So if we're thinking lineup, we're thinking power, that would be a good number to reach, especially if teams are still hitting 300 home runs in a season well, in no 2020. One knows, no one knows what ball we're playing with is the right. weird thing. You know what I mean? Like they, and, and no one knows if it's going to be a consistent baseball either. I mean, it, it feels like it could be, at least I feel like it would be six weeks of this one and then three weeks of that one and then four weeks of this one and then, oops, you've got a trip to Colorado or something, so that's weird. I, it's just... <laughs> I, I'm really worried about what the consistency of the game looks like. So, Connor, we had our strengths for the White Sox. What, are you, what do you think are the lingering concerns for this team that will prevent them from having an excellent 2020 season? Uh, well, the last part's throwing me a little bit. Okay, well, instead of an excellent them. season, how about a winning season in 2020? Yeah, what no, will prevent enough. the White Sox to have more than 81 wins? Like, I... I I hate the the defense in the corner of the outfield. Like I just, it's I, it's not good, and it terrifies me. And I'm a warrior by nature, but asking Luis Robert to go and play center field with Aloy and with Nomar Mazzara on either side of him is like a, it's a terrifying thing to go ask a, a 14 year old kid to go do at a major league ballpark. I'm terrified about it. You don't, eh, whatever he is, 19, 17. No, I, I just think I think that's a big ask. And while I, I realize that the White Sox have diagnosed this kid as the guy that can take on the, the big contract, the guy can be anointed and be a center fielder, I, I think that's a problem for a pitching staff, especially one that's going to ask a lot of some young guys coming into a first full season, a first healthy season. But I don't know, I don't think it's enough to scuttle a year. You know, and that, that was kind of the last part of the question, like, will it keep them out of the playoffs? Honest to God, I... I don't think it'll keep them from a successful season if they hit for the power that I also think they can. Got it. So the or power has to overcome I hope the so. NFL corner defense. 
How about you, Kevin? What concerns you about this 2020 White Sox team that may prevent them from having a winning season? I think when we look at this roster, it's super easy to get as excited as I think a lot of us are about the 2020 White Sox and moving forward. But there is the reality check that I realize we've already enshrined Luis Robert into Cooperstown, but we've never seen him play a single Major League Baseball game. Eloy Jimenez, full year. What's Michael Kopech going to be? What's Dylan Cease going to be? What do they have in Reynaldo Lopez? I'm not uh, being a Debbie Downer about the Sox. I'm just saying there's a lot of talent that's through the roof in all the guys I mentioned, but it's unproven talent. We haven't seen it yet. So do we see major strides from those guys? Does Luis Robert turn into even a little bit of what we think he can be? Uh, what does Michael Kopech turn into? So um, I don't know if I'm really answering specifically your question of the weakness, but it's to me anything that gives me any hesitance or doubt is – there's a lot of unproven talent. Now, that, the talent that I'm referring to is, I mean, we're talking crazy good. Right. Who, who knows what they're going to be? How about you, James? What, what do you think is a concern that maybe we're not paying attention enough to? Um, Dallas Keuchel's FIP last year was like 470 or something like that. Gio Gonzalez missed months with like a dead shoulder. Uh, Dylan sees through really hard and had great breaking pitches, but his ERA was bad. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez's ERA was bad. Um, I can't really say anything bad about Michael Kopech because I think his father will hunt me down. Um, <laughs> but and I wouldn't. I, I'm extremely high on him. I think beyond like what most people are. But technically, he's unproven. Basically, everything in the rotation is either unproven or your veterans who are dependable are kind of question have question marks. So. That is the uncertain thing. And also, if you're looking at, like, projections or why the White Sox are only, like, called for being 84 wins, it's because the projections of rotation are not that good and pretty flawed. So, I, obviously, there's potential for all those guys to be good. Obviously, Dylan Cease is extremely talented. Obviously, Ronaldo Lopez, you know, on random days can seemingly be absolutely overpowering. But there's question marks, like, all across the rotation. And, and, and that's why, even though we've all seen them at their best because we watch them very closely – Compared to the rest of the league, they're less proven and less dependable than other rotations. Josh, can I ask uh, James a follow-up question? This is a crazy hypothetical, and a million things could go into this scenario. But I want to get like uh, your gauge on the urgency from Rick Hahn in the front office. Let's say they're fairly in contention, and let's say that the rotation does break down, or they don't get progress from some of the younger arms. Again, I go into a deep, deep hypothetical here, James. But how willing do you think Rick Hahn would be this year near the All-Star break, willing to pull the trigger and move some prospects that are there for a starting pitcher? I think it would depend heavily on the years of control and how you project the starting pitcher going forward. If you're talking about like trading for like, uh, you wouldn't actually trade for Rich Hill, but like someone who's 40 and could like be dead by December, I would say no. If it's somebody like, if the, Rocky, if the Rockies are like literally on fire and like trading German Marquez or something, that's probably something you would go and upgrade. Somebody you can say, like, well, this will be part of our future for two, three, four years. Yeah, I think they would do that. That's a good question. Because that does be my follow-up question to you on the starting pitching staff. So if the starting pitchers click, the White Sox have a winning season. If they don't click, then they're going to be, like, at 77, 78 wins like they were 2015, 2016. Is I mean, I think, I think if they're mediocre, they could be a winning season, like, 83 and 79. Okay. I think the starting pitchers could click 
and their bullpen that doesn't actually strike anybody out, which is cool. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> but if that doesn't, like, really work, then they could be, like, a frustrating mid-'80s win team that doesn't win the division and, and maybe doesn't make the playoffs. Which starting rotation do you like more, the White Sox or the Minnesota Twins? Is, is death an option? <laughs> um, you can pick the Tigers. Yeah, I'd rather not. That's death, right? That's warmed over that's, death. That's death. Uh, I, I guess... I guess because, I, I, I suppose because the White Sox will also add Kopech at some point, have the potential to add Carlos Rodon, and can go deeper into, you know, the minor league system with a guy like Dunning if they have to. You know what I mean? Like, if, if we're going to count them all and go all the way down to, like, 7, 8, 9, and 10, I think you'd have to go with the White Sox at that point. And is, that, is their starting rotation enough? I mean, the Twins did add Josh Donaldson. I mean, the Twins are the team that everyone's chasing, right? Yeah, no. I, in American yeah. Lake Central? Yeah, I think so. So then, going from the Only, lingering concerns... Okay, you, did you have a question? Well, so here's the thing. Like, I, I mean, how you strong know, do we think Cleveland is? They're good, but I have no faith that they... I mean, I, they're as likely to trade Francisco Lindor after a... a, a stubbing their feet on the way out the door as anything else. Right. I mean, ownership there... Ownership's a huge thing in sports, and ownership there has basically promised the fan base that Francisco Lindor will not be re-signed. He's not getting an extension. He's not coming around. He'll be a free agent. If that's the case... Idiots. Front office has to deal him, and if they get off to a bad start, fingers crossed, then he goes. And if he's gone, that changes the entire dynamic of a division. That is very true. I hope that happens. Make I hate, it a lot that. Easier I hate the, the Cleveland offense. I, Their offense is not good. It's disgusting. It's terrible. It's Ramirez, Carlos Santana, and Lindor. And that's it. End of story. They got three hitters right now. I can't even tell you who's in their outfield for the 2020 season. I come up with blanks. I have no idea. Uh, it's Fran Mill. It's... Mercado. Of course, James. This, this knows. is like a guess. This is like a sparkle quiz. <laughs> and JB Shuck. <laughs> <laughs> Old friend alert. By the way, breaking news: Brenda Wellington Brent. Castillo signed Brenda a Brenda minor league deal know. today with the Washington Nationals. Say it again. Wellington Castillo signed a minor league deal today oh, with the Washington Nationals. And a big league invite to spring training. That's oh yeah, he, he can make the roster. All right, so let's go to a Hawk Harrelson here, pick to click, and we'll start with you, Kevin. Who do you think will be the White Sox most valuable player in 2020 and why? Uh, well, most valuable. Because, like, if one of the pitchers has a huge year, he all, he all of a sudden becomes most valuable. But I've also said I wouldn't be surprised at all if Yoan Moncada's in the MVP conversation at the end of the year. So I would, I would still go Yoan Moncada, but, like, if one of the pitchers had a, like if Kopech had a huge year because of the concerns we talked about with the starting rotation, you could make the argument like, well, he's the most valuable for the White Sox. But I, I, Mokata's my pick. I mean, he's such a stud. He's so much talent. That's a good pick. That's my pick as well. How about you, James? Who do you think is going to be the 2020 White Sox MVP? You kind of laughed at the whole Mokata is an MVP candidate. Do you not buy that? Wait, you laughed at it? What? What, what qualifies being in the MVP conversation? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point, Same James. Same both words, <laughs> close together in a sentence. <laughs> okay. I think he'll get MVP votes. I'll put it that way, James. Oh, I like, 
Hey, like, he got votes like plural. Yeah, yeah. He got oh, one. Screw you, Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your way of telling us you have a Hall of Fame vote this year, an MVP vote? Uh, I, I would say Gangrel because he's like a standard deviation better than everyone on the team. All right. Like, he's he's a two-way guy. He can like slump in one aspect and he's still insanely valuable in like another one. Like, so I, I just feel like it's very easy for him to deliver like a four or five win season without even being at his best. Okay. So we got one vote for Makata, one vote for Grandal. How about you, Connor? Who's I think your you MVP? Can, you can double me up for Grandal. I mean, he just, he helps other players, you know, and, and he's a potential to help up to, you know, four or five in a game. I, I got to vote Grandal. Although I probably should be more drunk for a Hawk Harrelson pick to click, shouldn't I? <laughs> I'm with you, Kevin. I, I got Mankata. I think Mankata will be the White Sox best player in 2020. So going to the prospects real quick, the Chicago White Sox have four top 100 prospects. Luis Robert, we have to still count him because he's still a prospect until he joins the White Sox. Michael Kopech, we still got to count him. Nick Magical and Andrew Vaughn. We should see Nick Magical sometime this season. But, Connor, it sounds like the White Sox are maybe not fully committed to Madrigal to start the year with them. And I have questions on what they're going to do to start the season at second base. If you were in the White Sox front office and you had to give advice to Rick Hahn, what would your advice be on who is going to start the season for the White Sox at second base? If, if I had to give advice to Rick Hahn? Yes. How would you handle the position? I guess... You can do a lot worse than Larry Garcia being your second baseman slash utility slash thing guy stuff. Such thing guy. I, I wish. Slash. I wish. I wish Zach Collins played second base. He doesn't though, so there's that. I I think you just. I mean, if you have to live in the world that that Rick Hahn inhibits, then you just you just go with what you have. I'm not all that upset at Hahn for you know kind of downshifting the Nick Madrigal conversation because why why promise anything at this point you've already you've got the Louis Bob uh, extension all done you've got Tim Anderson's contract done you've got Yohan Mankata's deal you know ready to roll probably I, I don't know that you need to go promise like yeah by the way and there's Nick Madrigal like we'll see that later I, I think he's fine with where he's at I'm not enamored with this situation but I'm fine with Lurie Garcia hanging out for a month and a half. So, James, do you have any insight on what the White Sox could do What are your sources telling base? you, James? What? What are your sources telling you on Nick Madrigal? What oh. are the whispers? Are you asking me what I think is going to happen, or what would happen if I told Rick Hahn yes. to start Madrigal? <laughs> Let's start. What are you hearing could happen at second base? I'm thinking they... they they, they're, they're putting everything towards, oh, there, there's still more development left. There's still more. I mean, they, they're not going to say on the record that anything is service time related, but it's, they've already been clear that that's a factor. And it, I think in lieu of an extension that it's not going to happen. And I totally think it's about that. I've, I've been told as much, not directly about Madrigal, but enough to know that's part of their thinking. So I would expect him to be in AAA, and, and it seems a little bit that they don't think like he's fully as ready as Robert. Obviously, it was like not a factor at all. I think he'd probably be up. But um, if that is the case, I would say 
it's Danny Mendick season, baby. Like, oh, all right. I, I think there's a little probably bit more in the bat than, than Lurie, and the fact that he's probably a little bit more limited position-wise where you can put him. I would put Danny, see if he can get hot for a little bit, and Lurie's around to move him all around. You know, given how concerned Connor is and how worried I am, his anxiety level, very, what very it could worried. do to his heart, I would, want, I would want Larry uh, available for a defensive replacement for when I'm floating uh, Luis Robert, Larry Garcia, Adam Engel outfield in the ninth inning so that he doesn't have a stroke while Alex <laughs> is like giving up hard hit fly balls and stuff like that. So. <laughs> you know, the, the stroke will just become like when that outfield goes out there and it's Lurie and Lurie's and, and uh, The Luis stroke Robert. happens when the other team ties the game. And exactly. The yeah, the bullpen forward. gives it up and then it's Adam Engel leading off the inning and then Lurie Garcia's coming up later and they go, oh shit, what the hell is this? <laughs> Why it's the 2018 season all over Thank again. God. Thank God you've got Danny Mendick batting fifth in the inning. Well, thank you got the hot bat, so, yeah. So remember that, folks. Tomorrow, when you are in the autograph lines, get in Danny Mendick's line. He's going to be the starting second baseman for the 2020 White Sox because that's what James said. Danny right? Mendick was answering season ticket calls and saying, hi, I'm Danny Mendick, second baseman of the Chicago White Sox. So what does he know <laughs> what that does we he know? know? Hi, I'm Danny Mendick. I'll be back and forth between here and Charlotte all goddamn year. <laughs> Would you I like to purchase season tickets? <laughs> I, I hope he gets airline miles. It could be a lot of trips back and forth. He's going to go they platinum don't. like they James. Don't. I know that for a fact. They don't. Because it's booked to the team. Oh, they don't personally book it. Come on, Lord. really? Yeah, the team books it. Do the, does the team keep the miles? Somebody's got to be getting the miles. Hawk. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so. What, I love those miles. Is that who you want, though, James? Do you want Danny Mendick to be the starting second baseman, or would you prefer that Nick Madrigal starts the year as the starting second baseman? I would want to see Madrigal. Madrigal is like nature's perfect killing machine shrunk into like a little package. His viciousness and contempt for a competition is truly like inspiring to behold. He wants to destroy people, but he's like really small. It's great. <laughs> he is short, five foot four. All of five foot four. So, do you have a nickname for him then? See, like a badger or more like a wolverine. He was a beaver in college. We're sticking with rodent then, huh? Like that's it. We can't pick anything else. <laughs> I mean, scouts were calling him Magic when he was like a junior in college, or no, a sophomore in college, and I didn't even know who he was. So I don't feel like I want to go against that nickname. I feel like it came very genuinely to him. So Magic Magical. That's where we're going with. Magic Madrigal? Yeah. That's horrible. Anybody got a nickname for Nick Madrigal? We got to come up with something better. He's a diehard Sox fan here. You don't have to call him Magic Madrigal. You just call him Magic. Everything else is pushed aside, But there's already a Magic. I don't like it. This is a From the One Away blog post all the way. Beef Loaf, get on it. You need to come up with a new nickname for I know you love Nick Madrigal so much. I am sure you will succeed in this venture. But Kevin, are you? Where, where do you stand on second base right now? Are you with Nick Madrigal, Danny Mendick, or Lurie Garcia? <laughs> I don't know. Romine's in the order. I don't want to get in between these two over Danny Mendick. Whatever the hell they just said, I agree with everything. All right. <laughs> Madrigal will be up in 2020 at some point. Okay, so that's second base, and we talked about MVP. So let's go to Vegas. The Vegas odds have been released. The White Sox over-under is 84 and a half wins. I was on six of this score yesterday with Joe Ostrowski, and he and I thought that line was pretty tough to make a bet on the White Sox, and we said no bet. 
but gun to your head, you have to make a decision. Over or under 84 and a half wins? We'll start with you, Kevin. Are you taking I mean, the over or under? I would just be boring as hell, so over. Pound the over. You're going over. So we got one over. Look at that. We got believers. I love it. All right, Connor, how about you? Are you taking the over or are you taking just, the under? Just remember how much you all loved me when I said you could do this and Machado at the same time. It's, you have to, if you have to bet it, you have to bet the under. The under. I, I hate it, and I hope I'm wrong. Look, I hate me too, all right? <laughs> is my dad here? Jesus. I, I, I mean, honestly, I will say the number that came out is, like, it's, 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 it's a fine, fine line. It is. And I think because, you know, what I was saying earlier, if some of these players that do have a ton of talent do make progress, I could see them getting to 90 wins. But if, if certain things don't work out, it could be low 80s as well. I think it's right, it's right in the middle. But I'm going over. It's a good line. So we got one over, we got one under. How about you, James? Are you a betting man? Do you bet on college basketball? I know you're a college no, basketball no. fan. Okay. I, 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 I very, it makes me very anxious. Okay, I get that. My wife talked me into playing a slot machine once, and I won $90, and I got up and walked away. Oh, nice. Walk off $90 from the slot machine. All right, so you have to pick. Over or under, how do you feel right now? Or would you take the over 84 and a half or under? Like, if I had had a second drink, I would definitely go over. A but second drink. Somebody get this man a second drink. Yeah, I need drink. a Miller Lite, too, for sure. I'm all, I'm Look at this. Who's <laughs> You can tell Connor is a Scani because he's triple fisting thought, right now. I thought this was a from the one the well, from the 108 operation. Oh, there, yeah, he is. Oh, this was, he is very much hashtag 108ing over here. He's got a can stack. Came here for a reason, damn it. <laughs> I I'll go over, but I want to state that this is a representation of my contempt for the Tigers and Royals okay. and where they're at, and that the White Sox will be able to scrape out like. 28 wins from that, like, matching up though. Against I that hope team. so. That's totally possible. They're so bad. And I'm bearish on Cleveland as well, so they should probably get 12 from that. As All right, so we got two overs. We got one under, so that's good. Uh, the Tigers over under is 55 and a half wins. Do you go over or under 55 and a half wins for the Tigers, James? Well, I mean, if they pick up, like, another guy that the AL Central rivals, like, didn't want, maybe they'll be over. Um, I'd probably say over. I mean, their, their pitching is going to come up and probably help a little bit. Um, their lineup is less of a disgrace. 107 games to lose is really a ton. <laughs> so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say over, but, man, I don't feel great about, like, <laughs> banking on them in any fashion whatsoever. How about you, Connor? Are you taking the over what under 55, 55 and a half? 55 in the hook. I, I'd say the over, but by like literally the half game. Like I don't 56. I don't think they win 60 games. I swear to God, I don't think they win 60 games. How about you, Kevin? Are you take it over yeah, under 55 probably the and over. Half. They, they suck so much, I've barely given them even any thought at all, <laughs> but I'll probably, probably just a pinch above that. I am smashing on the under. The Tigers are going to have a tough time winning 50 games this season. How much are you putting on that? Like, you going to put 100 bucks on the Tigers I under? I am not spending $100 on Detroit things whatsoever. I think, I think you guys should spend the next hour convincing Josh to put $100 <laughs> on the Tigers under. No. Do it, right? No. He should do it. He should just do it. Let's get him real shit-faced and tell him to put the under. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
<laughs> if it's September and they're like at 45 wins, so I'm going to be sweating they're Detroit so baseball. Okay, this is a great segue uh, to our next panel, which we're going to be sharing our bold 2020 season predictions. So this is how we're going to end our first panel. And James, I'll start with you. What is, you know what, I'll start to give you an idea on what bold means, okay? So my first bold prediction for the 2020 Chicago White Sox season, the White Sox will not only have one, not two, not three, not four, they will have five all-stars this summer in Los Angeles. Grandal, Abreu, Jimenez, Mancata, and Lucas Giolito will be your all-stars, and I'll take it one step further, Aloy Jimenez is going to win the Home Run Derby. He will be participating in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium, and he will win. There you go. Those are my two bold predictions for the 2020 season. All right, I lied. Nobody give, nobody give Josh any more booze. <laughs> We're good. He, he got it. We're good. All right, James. So it's your turn. What would be your bold 2020 season prediction for the White Sox? You threw in a bet on the goddamn Home Run Derby in That's the middle amazing. of Let's do this. That's, that's what it means by going bold. The next panel is going to be like, I bet the guy who wins the hot dog eating contest will eat 169 hot dogs this season. Um, let's say, I mean, I, I'm screwed if there's not still the juice ball. But, and maybe I'm still like faint from the fumes of his cologne that were coming out of his beard today. But assuming that his thumb is healthy, I'm going to say 30 bombs for Nomar Mazzara. 30 bombs? Wow. He's, if nothing else, has like 70 raw power. He could like be legit, not even that good, and hit 30 home runs. Screw outfield defense. If Nomar Mazzara could hit 30 home runs, sign me up. Not according to Connor. He hates those corner outfielders. <laughs> I do. I hate them so much. Um, That's a great bold prediction. So James has got 30 home runs for Nomar Mazzara. Connor, you're up. What's your bold prediction for the White Sox in 2020? Um, you, you should, like, go negative and predict something extremely bad. <laughs> White Sox win 65 uh, games. Rick Renria fired in March. Um, <laughs> no, I... You gotta do some shit to get fired in March. You really do. You gotta do some shit. <laughs> um, like a Lance Briggs kind of thing. Um... I guess, okay, can you get, Kopech still has his rookie eligibility, right? No. No, that's gone? So you can't get three rookies of the year in the voting? You can't go one, two, three rookies of the year? Um, Luis Robert has the 2020 season that Jim Bowden wrote about when he was high on cocaine for the athletic. Like, that's, that's, my, that's my bold prediction. So 20 homers, 20 steals. I just, I just listen, I know, it's, I know it's not a good one. Uh, let me just say this. Luis Robert is my everything and he is just, like, I, he's just amazing. The whole thing is absolutely fantastic, and everyone should be absolutely thrilled that he signed for a decade. That's it. That, he, oh, he came. You got Luis Robert to come. That's awesome. The dude showed up. That is awesome. He's so it's much so whiter than It's not as physically impressive. All right, Kevin, it's your turn. What is your bold 2020 season prediction for the White Sox? So this is like the core, the heart of White Sox Nation. Everybody in this room right now, you cannot find bigger diehard White Sox fans. 
I'm actually genuinely curious. What do are do, what are the Sox fans' thoughts on Ricky Renteria? So like fired by March then or what? He's stalling. Okay, so you asked He's for a stalling. bold you asked for a bold prediction. Uh, let's say the Sox make the playoffs. Okay. Ricky Renteria, manager of the year. That's manager my bold prediction. Of the year. You got the, you this got, guy wanted him out like nine seconds ago. <laughs> we got the Ricky Renteria stance. There so we, we go. Got, Ricky Renteria, manager of the year. I like if, it. If Why he, not? Because if they make the playoffs, wouldn't he, like, depending on, no matter what else any other team did, you just, you took, like, a 72-win team to the playoffs. That's, our, that's immediately going to get interest. So. AJ Hinch can't win this year, so, yeah. That's a good point. He's out of it. <laughs> Unless he so gets that's, hired in March. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> oh, wait, he's suspended. Never mind. He's suspended. If he gets fired in March, call me. Call me an idiot. <laughs> All right. So we got Ricky Renteria, manager of the year. We got Luis Robert hitting 20 homers, getting 20 stolen bases. We got Noma Mazar hitting 30 home runs. And the White Sox will have five All-Stars, and Aloy Jimenez is winning the home run derby. Where is, I, the, uh, home run, where is the All-Star game? Los Angeles. Oh, Dodger Stadium. Cool. So, yeah, Hollywood... He will break out, and then everyone in Major League Baseball will know who Aloy Jimenez is. And those Cubs fans, those sweet, sweet tears, will be flowing in in July. I still love you, Jose Quintana, but I love Aloy a little bit more. But thank you so much to our first panel. Thank you to Kevin Powell of WGN. Thank you to Connor McKnight of 670 The Score. And thank you to James Fegan of The Athletic. Thank you. <laughs> All right. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.